And yeah. I, I do done... want to uh, uh. out. <laughs> this is going so well, guys. Okay, this part you need to cut You know out. what? This is what happens when we don't do the show for two weeks. This is what happens when we don't I do really two weeks. I feel like we, we should get just rusty. Like, cut and start over. We get rusty. No, no. <laughs> this is how the sausage is made. We're good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Episode 147 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today we welcome Derek Weston back to the show. Wait, oh, damn it, that's not me. Sorry. (laughs) Got excited. I'll shut up now. Are you so excited? <laughs> I think we should put names before the tech, before the text person has to speak. That way I don't get confused. I'll shut up. Now. Oh, before. Okay. I'll, I'll redo that for you. I'll redo that. My, my bad. Okay. Should I start all the way over? You want me to start all the way over? Do it no, just, no, just go from Derek. We go from Derek and this stays in. Keeping all this in. <laughs> it's, this is the magic. Exactly. Today we welcome Derek Weston. <laughs> Derek is the director of programs and volunteers at Hope Springs, a faith-based nonprofit that works on the behalf of those living with HIV and AIDS. Derek is also a writer and whose recent work is featured in our Bible app and is an avid hater of winter. I left this in from last month because it's, it's still, still true. It's still winter and I still hate still it. True. It's still, still true. true. And you know, I, I do done... want to go, go. out. <laughs> this is going so well, guys. Okay, this part you need to cut. You know what? This is what happens when we don't do the show for two weeks. This is what happens when we don't I do really two weeks. Like we, we should get just rusty. Like, cut and start over. We get rusty. No, no. <laughs> this is how the sausage is made. We're good. <laughs> good. Oh, okay. Stays in. It's your turn. Go ahead. Stays in. You can show your love for Pub Theology Live and become a support on Patreon. Don't use the last 10 minutes as a reason why. Support <laughs> us for the, the shot glass level. No one's been drinking yet. Just at $2 a month. Sign up at different levels. You get some swag, extended interviews with special guests, and uh, you get access to our pre and post show, like today's pre-show where we waxed poetic on the latest Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker. We're not going to tell you what we think about it, but get the get the get become a Patreon supporter, and you can find that out. Visit Patreon.com/ptlife to get started. Big thank you to our current patrons, and you can join in the conversation and see other clips from the show on twitter or facebook instagram youtube please use the hashtag pt live so we can find you and your turn <laughs> back to you shannon <laughs> this week we discuss. that's why they do that on news shows it is, yeah. exactly <laughs> this week we discuss evoking god in politics war and ricky gervais because somehow those things have something in common um so what are we drinking derek what are you drinking today as our guest so i am drinking the last of our trogues mad elf Mm -hmm. uh this is our favorite seasonal beer and i'm sad to see it go but i'm happy to watch it please (laughs) (laughs) i should say that we're recording this on january the 6th which is 
Epiphany, Epiphany, which so is the I'm last having, day of Christmas. Exactly. So. On the last day of Christmas. He's I having our been. last Christmas beer. The mad elf on the show. <laughs> I took down my lights today. That's fitting. I didn't even know it was Epiphany. I haven't done anything yet. I'm like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't no taken rush. down anything. It's all good. God still loves you. Ogan, what are you drinking? Well, in honor of the fact that I guess it's Epiphany, so why not? But also... <laughs> I think I guess that's out. <laughs> also, it is it is it is the fourth anniversary of this podcast. We are four years old. Yay! Happy birthday to us! So I thought I'd go. I thought I'd go a little special. Plus the fact that apparently my girlfriend drank all the beer in the fridge. Um, but <laughs> I at a, at a, a, a white elephant gift exchange, or as they call it up here, a Yankee swap. Oh uh, yeah. I got some tequila Patron. Nice. Like, that is not a white elephant gift. That's like a good gift. That is a good gift. And, <laughs> wow. and, I, and I lucked out. Um, so here's, here's the fun other part of this is that I got no orange juice. So I was going to make a tequila sunrise. Uh, yeah. That's out. I do have some uh, Trader Joe's has a great mango passion fruit sort of blend. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to use that. And I thought, what should I name it? I go, I know. I'll call it tequila. Know this? No, the tequila what? Sunset. A sunset. A I figured that's what was coming, but sunset. Yes, gotcha. but already taken. So, oh, given yeah, oh. it's it's a drink. You you mix you mix it like a sunrise with orange juice and tequila, but then you you top it with like blackberry juice or something and let it trickle down. Oh. So that's the tequila oh, sunset. I learned that today. Blackberry um, juice. So I am claiming this as tequila dusk. Mango passion fruit <laughs> and tequila, or 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 maybe Caribbean tequila dusk. I'm still I'm still working. All on right, it. work on it. Work on it. I got working it. Workshop. I, I yeah, dusk is a, it, without something else. It's a little too close to dust, and it's tequila dust sounds really bad. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> someone's probably snorting some tequila dust as we speak. Right? There you go. <laughs> Shannon, what are you drinking? <laughs> Lay off the tequila blood. <laughs> I am drinking uh, Lagunitas, a um, little something-something male. That's one of our – we had a lot of football this weekend, so we had a lot of um, basic beer for us in the house. A lot of Sam Adams was in the house this week. Because, you know, for f lots of football, we need lots of lower-octane beer, and 5%, 4% is about as low as we get. So um, this is the other last of the good – one of the good sets. We still have some Southern Tier left, so it's sorry. Yeah. But I do love me some little something something male, and I do Speaking love of, saying something 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 something. Speaking of uh, Sam Adams and football, all of New England is in mourning because <laughs> Father Time finally caught up with Tom Brady. Yeah. Right? Oh, so sweet. The rest of the country is so happy. So happy. <laughs> I don't know how like how it must feel being in New England, but the rest of the country is so happy. Eliza, well, you know what? Katie posted about it. She was like, they're so sad. And they're calling the Titans unsportsmanlike because they're not falling all over themselves, complimenting what a great team they are. I'm like, yeah, they won. They don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a, I'm not a big football fan. So right. I really, I really don't care uh, sure. <laughs> about it. And my understanding is New England has been for years used to, you know, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they've yeah. been the so, dominant. It, I don't think there's anything new for it, new for them, but but still, it's they'll be good, fine. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be all right. I'm not worried. 
So now that we're, we're back from break, we're back from two weeks. If you're listening to this all the way through, then you might've missed it, but we've been off for two weeks. So yay. Um, do you, yay we've been off or yay we're back. I'm not sure which way that was going. Yay. We had a break <laughs> and, and yay we're back. We're back. Oh, Woo. third option. Yay. I like it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you come back from time away or off, do you look forward to getting back to routine? Or is it a consistent, I just want to keep being on vacation? Like, I don't, I just, you like the break. Is there a love of routine here at all? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say love, but more of a comfort, you know? Yeah. When, when life is orderly-ish, organized-ish. Um, uh, I'm 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 glad to be able to know what day of the week it is again because when I was on that break not doing anything I had no idea what day of the week it was and some yeah. stuff didn't happen because of that um, <laughs> and there's also a sense of 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 um, um, almost unpurposefulness to you know what I do in a given day when I do nothing in a given right. day sort of deal so I'm sort of glad I'm sort of like feeling a little bit you know energized and happy to be get it back into that um and that being said i'm really just biding time to true vacation next month when i go to right. barbados and get up the cold so so this is kind of like an in-between like limbo lull zone um for me yeah. um so um what was the question again <laughs> <laughs> how much of that tequila dust <laughs> already <laughs> exactly exactly the There's question is, when you come back from a break or even a break in routine, do you enjoy getting back to your routine or do you just really only do it because you have to? I mean, I got, it's, I got the name of the drink, Tequila Haze. Tequila Ooh, Haze. I like it. Nice. There, like there you go. There you go. Good. There Good. you go. I guess it depends on the routine you're getting back to, right? I mean. So I'll say, like, after sabbatical, I'm like, I was off for 16, like for 16 weeks, I barely knew what day it was, let alone week or month. Right. right. And after that, I was like, yes, I'm absolutely craving some routine, you know, um, I'm going to shut that off. And so I think that's different than for me, like the holiday break when all the kids are home, which is great. And also Yes, by all means, please go back to school and let's get back into um, the, the thing is I want them to go back to school and not go back to work. That's what I want. <laughs> I want everybody else to get, resume their routine and I want to keep my time off. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I kind of echo that. Um, I, I, I often feel like, particularly with the holidays, with, with Christmas and everything, like, I feel like I need a break from the break yes. um, before I go back to work. Like, I just need to, like, recover from, like, I need a, like, a recover, a uh, holiday recovery week. And then, like, I can go back to work. Um, and particularly true with Christmas, because Christmas tends to be it's busy, like intense, busy, yes. high activity, yeah. you know, us ministers working up till, you know, the night before Christmas and then, right. you know, a little bit of a break and we're, I mean, it's like four days and we're back to work, you know, on, on Sunday again. So it's not like for us, I, I don't really count this as a break. Um, as I was saying in the pre-show, traditionally um, I take the Sunday after Christmas off so that it 
actually kind of is a little bit of an extended mm-hmm. uh, break time before jump into the new year and and the way our calendar is structured for the next few weeks is all about the budget or annual meeting uh, you know yeah. get, get new board members in place so so for the next four weeks it's like super busy time so it it in a weird way you know not 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 much of a break yeah i think right. i honestly think churches that do their fiscal year july 1 to june 30th right. have it down yeah. you know like don't come back from Christmas with still doing budget. Like don't even like we passed our budget in December, but like, don't make me do budget discussion while I'm doing Advent, you know, like, and et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I, I just think they've got it at least one or the other, right? Like new members and or new elders or leadership and budget. Like it's, you come back to a lot. And I think that may be for me why I, I don't, after a holiday break, I'm not like, yeah, let's go. Because I'm like, oh, I'm coming back to a ton. Whereas like if I take 4th of July off and I come back, I'm like, I'm not coming back to much. Right. You know, so it's not as, you're like, yeah, okay. Like, I'm, that's all right. But I might have also hit the time in ministry where there's just never enough time off. So. <laughs> is there or maybe ever that's just time life. in ministry when there is? I've, I've hit the time in life. Is there life. Ever time in ministry when there is? <laughs> because part of the routine like i said is not being at home with the kids and the laundry and the messy house and the so i'm like i get to go to work yay (laughs) that that is true too well we came back from breaking the world's on fire literally literally the world is on fire metaphorically (laughs) yes um did you answer that adequately i I mean your liking yeah i mean i guess part of it is like i don't like so without saying too much, like I kind of came back to like my work life being really chaotic. So I didn't come back to routine. Yeah. And I think that has also just like in the last couple of weeks made me very tired. So like, I'm, I don't know. And they may not change for a couple of months. And, the, and that, and like, honestly, like my work routine beginning of this year is just looking like craziness. So I'm just, I'm just like preemptively tired. Yeah. No, that's right. So the answer is, it depends on what we're coming back to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to take um, these next two questions kind of together. So I'm going to read them both, and then we'll just begin where we want to begin. Um, so President Trump told thousands of cheering evangelical Christians in Florida on Friday last week. Wow, that was a lot. Um, So last week in Florida, he said, we have God on our side. As he kicks off what he plans to be his reelection year, discuss what kind of rhetoric in the, discuss this kind of rhetoric in the political campaign. What is your reaction to Trump using this to other political candidates? In general, how do you feel about the God on our side language? Actually, I'll stop there. Any initial thoughts? So I I go back to you and I I I forget who repopularized it, but it was Abraham Lincoln who said it initially that you know the the language of instead of claiming that God is on our side, that we need to humbly um, I'm screwing up the quote, but humbly submit to being on God's side. 
And I think when we, anytime someone makes the language or makes the claim that God is on our side, I think there's arrogance, there's hubris. It's, um, it's, 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 it's incredibly toxic. And you, you, you met Trump. That's impressive. <laughs> well, I, I, I was just going, I was just like, you know, doing this 3000 feet view of if anyone does this, it's problem. When this particular person does it, it makes me want to vomit. Um, I, I, so much of what this man does angers me and disgusts me. And, and the fact that there are still crowds and crowds of people who call themselves Christian, who show up to these things and cheer, uh, turns my stomach. Um, so I think that's my answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, well, I was trying to think cause how many times have I been a, a justice setting where justice in the world did not prevail, but there was a comment made about God, but it was never God is on our side, but, um, you know, God's justice will prevail or that God, um, God is with, right. We, we often say like God is with us, um, in this, or it, it, it's never, um, well, I shouldn't say never. I'm sure there are very, very progressive people that claim. And, and I do believe, right, that, that God is on the side of um, those on the margins. And, but I don't, it's not, it's not a, a king-making thing, right? Like God is, like God is with me is one thing to say, right? God is with us, but this is like, the side that he is talking about is clearly a political line claiming, you know, that God is with Tea Party conservative Republicans, you know. Well, and, and specifically that God is for his reelection and that God is, is, you know, going to bless the way to him becoming a two-term president. Um, and I find that really offensive on a lot of different levels and dishonest i mean right you know point again to who's saying it i mean i barely believed it when george w bush said it as as part of you know the the uh the excuse to go start war in iraq which you know which we'll you know talk about in a little bit um but but for this this president at, at least at least george w bush historically had can could historically point to some sort of demonstration of some sort of adherence to faith yeah in, right. in his lifetime you know this president n n nothing zero zilch right. nada yeah. um you know that's what really i mean honestly that's my biggest hang-up right? right like this claim doesn't really surprise me in that setting like that is a claim that i mean did you ever when george w bush was president did you watch the documentary jesus camp mm -hmm. um and, and it's that, yes. right? It's this same idea. Like God mm -hmm. has, God put George W. Bush in power. Like he right. is the ultimate, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, and, and very much to use the term again, very much this kingmaker God did this. Well, for, I mean, there's, there's you know. biblical precedence for that, 
right? That you know, there's no there's no right. authority on earth unless it's given by unless God. So given, right. So there's that to show. But God, but of. it's but you know, clearly Barack Obama's was of the devil. That's not God. <laughs> No. That was the other god. That was the other god. <laughs> the, the bad god, the Kenyan god. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, mm. no, this is uh, particularly, it always bothers me when somebody says it, yes. Particularly when, when this president says it, for me, it is, it is not rooted in, an, in, a, in a faith. It's rooted in a manipulation to get the vote uh, to stay, to get more and more power, right? And honestly, just to get the cheers. Yeah. Right? right. And, and again, for, my problem is much less with the one as it is with the many. Like, yeah. I have a lot bigger problem with the many cheering than I do with the one saying it. Yeah. Um, I got about equal part problem. With both. <laughs> I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna sparse. I'm gonna sparse my displeasure. I got displeasure with both. both. Yeah, I mean, any, yeah, I mean, I just, it's, it's problematic. But I, again, you know, before the show, we kind of talked about like I, I think for me, this is, this is one of those things that like we should just strike this from political language, like the claiming of God on our side is just very problematic in so many ways. And scripturally would point much more to a false prophet than a real one. Yeah. Like scripturally, we are warned against this very thing. Right. Um, And not that I'm overly apocryphal in my scripture beliefs, but like, this is one of those things that like, this is what it will look like when a false prophet comes your way. And like, pretty much describes that very scene. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. So this this rally at a megachurch outside Miami came the day after the Pentagon confirmed Trump had ordered an airstrike in Iraq that killed an Iranian um, general. I'm not going to say his name. Who wants to say his name? Anybody? No? Okay. Describe. <laughs> we all know who we're talking about. Um, it's not because I won't. It's just because I can't and I don't want to butcher it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with General Soleimani. Okay. Apologies if I messed that up. Yeah, sounds good. good. Exactly. Um, Described as the Muslim country's shadow leader who is responsible for the death of some 500 U.S. and coalition service members and the wounding of thousands more. Um, This is a quote. Let this be a warning to terrorists. Trump told supporters at the King Jesus International Ministry Church in West Kendall. If you value your own life, you will not threaten the lives of our citizens. Evangelical Christians were largely supportive of the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003 and appear ready to support the president in any military actions against Iran. Why do you imagine this is? Is there tension or contradiction for some such support given that Jesus told his followers to turn the other cheek and to love their enemies. So uh, when I read these two questions, I went a weird place with this. It reminded me of while I was on break and was channel surfing one day, even though I own all the, even though I own all the DVDs, I stopped on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course. Of course. Of course. You have to, right? Yeah. You have to. And it was so spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen readers of the lost art <laughs> <laughs> we, we might we might have some listeners in their 20s 
who not okay. experienced the majesty that is Indiana Jones. Don't watch the fourth one. That Crystal Skull thing was nonsense. Um, but it's the idea that the Nazis are are trying to find the Ark of the Covenant that was in the Bible that held the Ten Commandments right. because in Scripture, when the armies of the Israelites had the Ark, you know, and led the Ark led them into battle, and they were triumphant. So in the movie, the Nazis had this crazy idea: if we get the Ark, you know, we're we're gonna win. Right. So all all fiction. However. <laughs> As I'm reading, as I'm, as I'm hearing what's happening and, and reading these two questions, it's striking that similar chord that we had back in 2003, as I mentioned, with George W. Bush saying that, you know, in, in prayer he was told or, or inspired by God to know that this was a just holy war that he had to go in and liberate Iraq. Which was um, really just Dick Cheney whispering through like a microphone. Dick, Dick Cheney was the <laughs> god, exactly. Right, exactly. right. So, so you know, now now we're kind of seeing this in the same, in a weird same way play out. God's on our side. God is, God is good. So therefore, if God's on our side, anything we do is good and just. And right. and and unfortunately, you know, the Bible. You know, depending on what, what you're reading in the Bible, there's seemingly justification for the idea of warring against nations and defeating evil nations who stand against you you know it made a lot more sense in the bronze age does not make a whole lot of sense now but you know let's not yeah. let you know context and history stand in the way of making good decisions um so so for me it's 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 just scary at the least um and and just absolutely horrifying because this is 2020. It's not going to be a conventional war of, you know, troops and missiles and right. all that. Who knows what they're going to do? Uh, today, they just pulled out of the whole, any sense of the whole nuclear deal. Nuclear we're trying war. to, yeah. you have the European nations. It's like anything in the past few years has been set up to try to maintain a sense of, of, of peace and, and is, is crumbling and falling apart. And, um, it's scary. And the question is, is, you know, for what, for why bragging rights to, to, uh, it's, it's, it's insane. And to in, invoke God in it, to try and use it as a justification is also very troubling because clearly those folks aren't reading the whole Bible <laughs> again. Cause as you mentioned the question, we get to Jesus's you know, um, invitations of no, this is this is not about revenge. This is not about violence. You know, eye for an eye is whole world's going blind. Which you know, yeah, Gandhi sort of said what what what's going to be? What's the point here? Yeah, I mean, the most of the war, the the war scriptural references we get are, um, are Hebrew scripture, right? Old Testament scripture of fighting over land um, and being conquered and then conquering and then being conquered and conquering and, you know, that, that process. Um, and, and there was a, a very much of a sense of um, God gave us this place and therefore God wants us to have it. And so I think there was a, a I don't know that this language necessarily would have been used, but a, 
well, probably would have like God is on our side here, you know, but the sense was that they lost the land. They were at war to begin with because they had strayed from God. Right. And, and there's a lack of humility in any of that sense in our part. Right. right. Um, not that I'm, claiming that religious law needs to be u.s law i'm just saying that like there's there's no like hey maybe we had a part in creating this system where 500 u.s people were targeted like there's no like we're innocent bystanders that's the rhetoric we get which is is not true um and not we're not accepting our place on the dance floor exactly of the tango exactly um but when i look at you know the moment really of of decision to use violence or not to use violence is the moment that jesus is being arrested right like that's the moment i go to and peter pulls a sword why peter has a sword to begin with is a whole nother discussion for me didn't he take one off the one of the soldiers i thought that's what happened in one of the gospels in one of the gospels and another one he has one i think oh well you know Come on, it was occupied Rome. Right. Uh, the Romans were occupying. You had you oh. had to be packing. Or it was a knife or whatever, someone, right? Someone has a sword. So anyway, exactly. Peter, Peter pulls a sword and he and he cuts off the soldier's ear. And you know why he had a sword? He had a sword because they had that whole parade in, and and Peter was like, "Oh, he done gone pissed off the Romans now. I gotta I gotta strap up no, have a sword. because <laughs> it's gonna get scary." Yeah, I mean, I also think, you know, carrying a big knife during that time wouldn't have been unreasonable because, you know, whatever, right? Like, first exactly. century Palestine. Um, you use it to eat and cut your fish and whatever. But nonetheless, he pulls a sword of what, what's called a sword in scripture. And he... I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will carve this bread with my machete. My machete. Mmm, <laughs> olive paste. Um, so... But that's that's the moment, right? If there is a moment for violence, like this is it, right? This is this now. This is a, a this is a moment that then Jesus says, "No, absolutely not, right? Like we don't we don't use violence, right?" And that is then that's the word. That is what we are to take on as do like I do. Um, that even in the moments where injustice is happening, violence is not the answer. Like, that's to me the teaching. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think, though, what's happening in these evangelical circles and what has been happening for decades is that there is a belief that we are in this unique eschatological time that we can, in some ways, escalate the timeline of Jesus's return. And that these wars in the Middle East make the clock tick faster to make yeah. Jesus come back. Yeah. Armageddon's gonna happen, we might and, as well get it on now. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's a lot of the theology that is undergirding a lot of the evangelical support for war, particularly in the Middle East. Like no one, like, if you look at what's happening in other parts of the world where we see human rights violate, like no one's, no one's like, like clamoring for war in Colombia. Right. You know, no one's cl- clamoring for war in Venezuela, but like when war in the middle East 
becomes a topic. End my, times, baby. End times. Bring it on. We're we're about to we're about to bring on the second coming of, of Christ because because what? Because they <laughs> and, they will be raptured. Right. And, and we and, will be left and, to destroy and, ourselves. And I assume because I support a woman's right to choose, I will be left behind. Hey, speak for yourself. At 11 years old, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. I got, I, I got my bases covered. I, listen, I did that too. Ain't that like, a lifetime thing? Like, wait, listen, when people say remember your baptism, I actually remember my baptism. Me too, right? I was there. I and, got right? the whole thing. Like, I, Aren't you good I, for life? I am saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy exactly. Ghost. Exactly. Like, if we are I, all I, wrong I, about this, and it really is literally going to be a second coming, we're covered. Yeah. I, I thought I was supposed to clap my heels three times right before I died. <laughs> I know that's what I was supposed to do. Uh, uh, nobody's like home. Um, but, but no, what you, I mean, we're joking about, like, that's, that's very real. Oh, of course it's like, very real. That, like, I think that that gets glossed over a little bit. Like, I mean, a few people, or there's been an article about this on facebook or whatever and we're like oh my god like you might as well say flat earthers right like you might as well be for a lot of people they're like oh that's a small group of people that whatever like and unlike flat earthers this is a large group of people that genuinely do believe this and let's not lie that there might be some overlap i I think there's a lot of overlap um Like I said, every time we talk about this subject, I just put them in the flat earthers category. And it's not true. There's way more of these people than there are flat earthers, but nonetheless. Um, but but there, it really is. Now, we all three grew up in an evangelical setting. Did you hear this? Oh, yeah. So, so that's the interesting piece. Um, there was, I mean, the whole premise of my evangelical upbringing in church, it was always about spiritual warfare. It was, you know, we equipping ourselves and we're singing, we're singing these praise and worship songs that were all about, about war against the demonic forces because they were coming to get us. So the idea of war is built, was built into the theology. So this is just that now in, in the physical realm, you know, right. so, so it, it's not that far-fetched and surprising that evangelicals are like, oh yeah, the, these are evil people. Just like, you know, Satan and his demons are evil. And as we do spiritual warfare, we will now do worldly warfare as well. So it's not entirely surprising. It's just yeah. kind of, I will you know, say, just like, as how note- do you think this is going to end? Like there's, you know, when, when there's war, you know, history will say, here was the victor, here was the conquered. But the reality is everybody loses. Right, right. And, and that's the other, one of the things I will say is, so if, if the, people that, the, the people that are hearing this message that are cheering at these rallies, if they're not believing in the raptures coming soon and we can help, we can help Jesus come faster, they, they may not be all the way there, which is a very Kool-Aid drinking thing. But they may be at this spiritual warfare, like we, we righteous, which they view as America and like go to war with heathens is a good thing. Like they like, so even if you're not in that very specific, I'm doing this to bring on the end times, you are doing it because you do believe that you are 
the right, the good, the like. What's the Crusades? The Crusades, absolutely. And they really do buy into this crusade mentality. Ooh, hashtag Crusades 2020. I, listen, listen if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry, okay? <laughs> like, no, I'm just, I'm trying not to cry. Like, really. <laughs> Seriously. So, so, Derek, you were saying, like, you absolutely heard this. this oh, was... absolutely. I mean, I think it was, it was the understanding that um, the Middle East in particular was, was going to be a place of war forever. But that that war in the Middle East was ultimately going to be the war that paves the way for Jesus's return. And like, so don't be scared, even though like terrifying, right? Cause like world war three is coming and everyone's nuclear, but like, don't be scared because this nuclear annihilation is really just going to pave the way for Jesus coming back. This was, and you'll this, be, and you'll probably be gone before and, then. And, and don't, because you'll and be, don't worry you're going to get raptured and like yeah no i mean this was this was this was a part of but this was during the gulf war right well i mean this i mean this was here's the thing like this language has been a part oh. of I, I mean it's it's first off it's not that old but it has been a part of american uh evangelicalism since the 80s and i was in the caribbean in the 80s and heard right and and like and and so like you know the iran contra situation and and the iraq iran war and um you know and then the first gulf war and all of this stuff has been like of course this is a flashpoint for where violence is happening because this is all the stuff that needs to get settled so that jesus can come back because Jesus can't come back until all these Muslims are gone. And because he's not going to know what to do with them when he gets here. If there's just a whole bunch of Muslims around, he's going to be like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. So we got to get rid of them. And then Jesus can come back and be like, oh, thank God, Jews and Christians. Disclaimer, this is a vast oversimplification. But- <laughs> So, but, I, but I know although, where you're going with it. I do want to say, <laughs> although actually is more complicated than some of the things I've heard said uh, in true. some places. I, I do. The first time I went to Israel, or well, the only time I've been to Israel, like when you go to Jerusalem, there are gates to the old city. There are like archways that are gates, and the one that Jesus is supposed to make his triumphal entry through during the second coming, at one point was Muslim territory, and they cinder blocked it up no and i was like Uh, i was like that jesus i was like like, that's gonna stop jesus from making like his triumphal entry into the old city like the man walked on water you think a few bricks are gonna get in his way it's gonna stop him like by the the way just petty it is is. so i I made references in the pre-show you gotta watch the show messiah on netflix Talk about talk about uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, when you make old movies again, what do you call it? I'm, I'm, reboot is getting to me. Reboot, right? Re- talk about some Jesus miracle reboots happening. That's okay. all I'm gonna say. All right, all right. well, watch no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so bad. At, I'm so bad at non-spoiler spoilers. <laughs> I mean, I I just I think that I mean obviously like. 
pray for your enemies, love your enemies. You know, Jesus's nonviolent stance. Um, and, and just even again, I just want to go back. Uh, you know, there was this tweet going around earlier that um, basically was like, all of these Republican talking points are scripture Bible approved. And like, a lot of the response was like, could you please cite those? Because we have no idea what you're talking about, you know? And, and that, you know, I, this is one of those things that when it comes to scripture, you can make anything in, like you can make scripture fit any view that you want. Really. Not only that, scripture is all over the damn place. All you over the place. find something to support. And I say this all point. the time, especially about the scriptures of war and the the people claiming you know i'm gonna slaughter these people because god wants me to um you know a i think there is a human like to do terrible things to other human beings you have to get in some other space that you believe something so deeply right um which is just hard and it's hard a hard part of the human condition but the other side of that is who's to say that scripture, those scriptures weren't put in our holy book, quote unquote, if you will, to show us what not to do, right? right. Like how come we, I mean, we think everything in there is like, this is what we should do. Well, that's, it can't be because it's all contradicting. Some of it has to be, here's, hey, here's what's maybe not to do next time. Like here's an account of what happened and maybe don't do that again. Well, and yeah. I, I think- so, Sorry, go ahead, Derek. Oh, I'm sorry. I think the other thing that's important here is that this is where I really get frustrated with, you know, again, we all kind of grew up evangelical. And so like, I know the Bible, I know the Bible really well. Like that was just a thing that happened by virtue of my evangelical background. And this is where I really get frustrated with sort of the biblical illiteracy of progressive churches of like, you have to know the Bible to be able to contradict your your evangelical friends who are are speaking nonsense. Yeah. And not just know the Bible, but really like, and this is where I, I get frustrated of like, we talk about the gap between what's taught in seminary and what's taught from the pulpit. Like, this is when some of the stuff yeah. that you learn in seminary about the context and the mm -hmm. history, yes. like this has to inform your preaching because people need to understand that there are reasons that certain things made it into canon and made it into the Bible because there are agendas behind these things. And there are, you know, and there are things that are, in, that are supposed to be like, no, don't do that. Right. Like not, right. not, hey, go do that. But when, when you have a council that is put together by Constantinople, or by Constantine, who just conquered all these cities, well, no wonder Joshua made it in. Well, sure. Right? Because that looks like what I just did. Because, <laughs> hey, look what I just did, you know? Did you did you, did you you guys do, like, the Bible Bible verse battles? Where oh, you, yeah. Sword oh, drills. Sword drills. Yeah, man. Sword, there you go. Yeah. yeah man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't play that game anymore, but, you know. Um, yeah, when you had a memory verse every week. When, when, you, when you kept that Jesus wept in your back pocket. <laughs> the flashcards, man, flashcards. Like in school, we would do yeah. it in like all of the groups would get together. You know, so it's, it's interesting. So in Unity, we kind of have the opposite problem because by the time people get to Unity, they're like, the Bible is like 
a shit show and we want nothing to do with it. Sure. We just want to be spiritual. We just want to feel love God. We want nothing to do with the Bible. Sure. So here I am trying to still like say to folk, no, the Bible has meaning. Right. There's still, there's still spiritual wisdom in it. You know, and I've had people leave my church because they're like, you do too much Bible. I'm like, I make reference to the Bible like maybe twice a month. Come on. <laughs> it's not nearly as much as I would want to growing up like you. Like you yeah. said, growing up in an evangelical tradition where it was all about the Bible. Yeah. And See, when, when, I had, when I had my crisis of faith, the, the thing that I missed most was the Bible. Yeah. yeah. You know, I and, how he and, says like a crisis of faith, like just one. <laughs> like when I well, had the first one, sorry, the, the first one, the first one. Okay, the first one, the first one that got me out of the church. The first right, right. one. No, no, okay. I understand what you mean. I just had to like exactly right, right. Oh. But you know, so this, but anyone who knows unity and and really knows the origins of unity, it is all Bible based, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so so to so to introduce folks back so like this this past sunday we did we do a thing called the white stone ceremony it's usually the first thing that most uni churches do and it's based on a verse in revelation of all books right you know that verse that says uh you know i'll give you manna from heaven and write your you know mm -hmm. give you a new name that you write upon the white stone so i gotta i gotta explain to people okay why are we doing this like it's biblical based and it comes from Revelation. Oh, by the way, given all this happening in the world right now, there's not gonna be an, a second coming or an, uh, like like the biblical book of Revelation is not trying to describe Armageddon and right. this cataclysmic world war, even though you're seeing what's happening. There's not gonna be Jesus riding on the white horse. This is not what that book was was about. But for a lot of people, it's like, this is why we left the church of our upbringing why are you talking this bible nonsense right so 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 i got to come from it the other direction uh in, yeah. in, in a unity context to, to reintroduce people to 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 the fact that there's there's still so much wisdom you just not gotta know the history and 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 the politics about why these books were assembled and why they were written at the time uh, they were written i don't understand and to your point that 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 distance between um, you know, I, I don't know if they teach that in an evangelical seminary or not. Do they do they teach that level of 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 history and and context in order to? And, and then if they do, no. why why are they not sharing it? I, I think they I think they teach. Well, I, well, first let me say that I think a lot of these megachurch pastors didn't really go to seminary. <laughs> there's, so, there's there's that too. I mean, really, <laughs> like there's that. But I I do think that conservative my understanding is that I think conservative seminaries teach like the anthropology and history of the area of, of the world in yeah. which scripture was written. I don't know that they teach um, so much about like the, the history of the construction of scripture and the history of like why certain things were written and like the, you know, the JEBP and that sort of stuff. See, I think and they, I mean, so the seminary I went to was right across the street from the Southern, Southern, Southern Baptist Seminary. And I think they very much teach that. They just still teach that, like they, they teach it well, as knowledge, right. but they don't, they don't ask the question how does this then affect our reading? But they teach it with the presupposition of inerrancy. 
Yes. And that's, yes. that's, the, that's the problem. It's like they're teaching starting from the, like, okay, this is inerrant, but there's also these other things. But like, most importantly, this is inerrant. This and is like, the absolute word of God that should not be questioned, that should not be um, put in, in. And I, I just, any, don't, yeah. I just don't know how you faithfully study scripture and still hold on to inerrancy. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, because belief is powerful. Like if you, be, to bring it full circle, uh, if you believe something hard enough, you will make everything you learn, read, experience fit into that paradigm. And then there's always the, the, the fallback final answer for when it doesn't make sense is, this God's will, and and we're not meant right. to understand it like that's that's like the loophole that covers yeah, sure all Absolutely. the loopholes yeah. right yeah it's the so, everything happened so, for a reason and god made it happen you know exactly plus there's always there's also this if i buy into this then the whole house of cards and dominoes is going to fall down right. and Which, there goes my faith there goes well, everything and i and i like i get that like mean, that's that's where i was after my first semester of seminary because like having grown up evangelical and then like having a lot of things exposed in my first semester of seminary like i did have a one of my crises of faith <laughs> after the first semester of seminary but like you know and, and again i i think this is this is where i think there's a lot of responsibility that falls on those of us who are progressive christians to say that we can still be faithful and still have the questions, have the doubts, to, to not let science be an enemy to faith, to not let like knowledge and, and education be, you know, a uh, hindrance to faith that like, you know, because the faith that I put together after my crisis of faith is a faith that I, find much more robust and energizing and um i find much more spiritual um yeah and and we should probably be clear to say not all evangelicals are on the trump bandwagon sure. which is actually sure. surprise like what surprises me in a good way i'd say over the last few weeks um has been more and more evangelical yeah. leaders speaking out um, and, and we, you know, I think we missed a bit of that, the, you know, Christianity Today article, yes. um, you know, things like that. But yes, please, like, and, and that's where, you know, and I've said this for a long time in my career, right? Like, there are benefits to what the evangelical church can do, or these large churches can do in a way that we, we as a mainline denomination or you know, can't, right? Like right. after Hurricane Katrina, they were able to get a group of 20 people together and be down there the next week, right? Yeah. Like we we went for the next year, right? Like next year we can get a group together and whatever. Like they could raise the money, they could get the people, they could go. Good for them, right? That is good things in the world. And, and I'm really proud of, really, I'm very proud of those that are speaking out against um, Trump right now and, and think that that's really brave of them in their faith. It is, um, it is very brave. Be, 
because this is the I don't think when he started to run, there were any evangelicals that were anti-Trump. Right. They, at they least they weren't speaking. For so whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. I, I, exactly. So to begin to to break away, I think is is I, I kind of figured that would happen eventually. It took a lot yeah. longer yeah. than I thought it would. And I I I do feel like they just kind of waited till they had to, you know, they which, for me that would have been a long time ago, but you know. Well, at some point, the 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 rash. So it, it's a weird it's a weird circle. The rationalizations that they allow themselves to believe simply embolden him to do more crazy. Exactly. Well, and, and Pence was their scapegoat, right? Like, well, yes. Pence will be there. Yeah. Like, and we like Pence, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And now they're seeing like, no, nobody can control this man. Like, this is ex ex exactly you know. exactly. Um, I was surprised they didn't jump ship when they had that meeting in the Oval Office and Pence just like zoned out. Remember that? Like, <laughs> and I mean, how could you not? You can't follow Dude, a damn thing he I, says. I would Dude, love. Like, I would what love. are you talking about? I would love to see the game <laughs> on my Pence. Oh my god! I bet there are so many <laughs> great games on Mike Pence's phone. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, well, he might even take a meeting with a woman just to get out of a meeting with Trump. <laughs> might happen. Might happen. Wow! Need alone yeah. with a woman. Just to, just to hey, Mike it. Pence, we just gave you your out, man. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> yeah. If you know but, somebody who knows somebody who knows Mike Pence, pass on this episode. You just on the out. If you schedule which, a meeting alone with a woman, which isn't against the law, by the way, or the Bible, you able to get out of a meeting with her. Oh, friends, thank you for being with us today. A big thanks to Derek, our special guest. Uh, we'd like to thank the originator of Pub Theology, who came up with, I will say, our crazy questions today. Um, <laughs> Brian Burkoff. And our who, happens, who happens to be running for Congress. So who happens to be running for Congress. Are we surprised? <laughs> Which, um, yeah, go to Brian's campaign. Give him all your money. And, <laughs> and and actually he has some pretty cool swag like go buy a swag it's, I need to get some swag and drink his, um, the, the pie glass out of the one, one, one night over break Sarah was like who keeps texting you I said uh, nobody it's just Brian's campaign asking for money right exactly. <laughs> over and over and over again but you know what? I mean, really, it takes money to win elections. Yeah. So. It, it does. It does. And I was, I was, when he said he was running, I was like, where do I send some money? And, and I sent the dude some money. I sent him some money. I support. I, we need more people like him in yep. Congress. So 100% support. Absolutely. Um, to our producer, Derek Weston, happens to be on the show. Um, connect and spread the word on social media. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Watch us on YouTube. And Spotify. And Spotify. Yeah. Put that in the script now. Spotify. Write it in. Hard to get it there. Oh, so hard. Um, <laughs> watch us on YouTube, Facebook, and IGTV. Um, you can sign up at patreon.com slash ptlive for more content. And find and create a pub theology in your town. Info is at pubtheology.com slash directory. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.